Well, good morning. It's great to, to be with you this morning. I appreciate we're all doing this in an unusual manner, but it's brilliant to be able to come down uh, to be able to speak with you guys in Ipswich this morning. Tom's asked me to speak this morning uh, as part of your lessons from lockdown series and specifically looking at how do we grow in our compassion for those that are living in poverty. Now, coronavirus has caused much suffering, hasn't it? Uh, clearly, from a health perspective, that, that's obvious, but also from a socio-economic perspective as well. A recent report from the, the Bristol Poverty Institute highlighted that death rates from COVID-19 infections were twice as high in the poorest areas of the UK than in the richest areas. They also highlighted that 4.9 million adults in the UK are currently food insecure, and that compares to 2 million pre-lockdown, so it's more than doubled in the adult population. And they also say that an estimated effect of the lockdown and then the months of the partial functioning of our economy is that the poor people in the UK will on average lose over 25% of their income in the long term. Now, they're, they're kind of staggering statistics, aren't they, from what's happened so far this year. But then when, if you th listen to many sort of commentators, they would say that the winter to come that we've got is going to be very, very tricky, with government support schemes finishing, a predicted recession, increasing in personal debt, evictions from homes, um, and high unemployment. It's, it's not looking good from a sociological kind of perspective. Now... I don't really want to depress you. I appreciate that's not the most kind of uplifting start to a talk, but it's important for us to be real. However, you might be thinking, well, that's all fine, but surely all of those things are the government's problem. Surely that's the, the issues that the government have to find solutions for. How does that affect me? How does that affect us as the local church? Well, this morning I want us to have a look at our response to those things. And as followers of Jesus, what difference should that make in how we respond? So the passage we're going to look at this morning um, is one from the book of Matthew uh, and looking at Jesus' teachings. And it comes, the passage we're looking at today comes at the end of a series of teachings and parables that he gave about being ready for the day of judgment, about that day that everybody will face one day when we die standing before Jesus. So I'm going to read from Matthew 25, verses 31 through to 46. So this is Jesus speaking. It says, when the Son of Man, talking about himself, Jesus, comes in glory, this future date, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. 
Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Wow, that's a challenging passage of scripture, isn't it? Jesus doesn't hold back in any way. Now, it's really important for us to understand what Jesus is saying in this passage, but also what he isn't saying. A quick reading of that, and maybe that's the first time you've heard that passage, a quick reading of it could lead us quickly to the interpretation that what Jesus is saying is in order to be right before God, in order to be right, you know, to be in the right place when we come to judgment, all we need to do is feed and clothe anybody that we see is in need. That's how we could quickly read that and think, well, that's the answer. To get right with God, I have to do practical things for those in need. But if that was the case, then what Jesus is speaking there will contradict most of what he said elsewhere and also what the other New Testament writers spoke of. Because they've all said, Jesus said and other writers have said clearly in the New Testament that righteousness, that sense of being right before God on that final day of judgment, actually doesn't come through our actions, but it comes through faith in Jesus. We can't earn that righteousness at all through good deeds. So, for example, Romans 3, verse 22, it says, The righteousness of God comes through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So if you today are asking that question, how can I get right with God? You're aware that one day you'll have to stand before him and you're thinking, how do I get right with him? How do I get to a place where he would welcome me into, his, into the kingdom of heaven? Then the answer for you is simply this, through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we get right with God. And if you're not a Christian and you're watching this this morning, then that's the main point for you this morning. That's really the main thing that Jesus is wanting to speak to you this morning about. He's saying that one day we'll all have to account for our lives. But the only defense we can have in that moment is that we put our faith in him as the son of God and as our savior. That's the one thing. No amount of good deeds at that point will go in our favor at all. You might have done all the good deeds the world could have ever seen. But if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, then you've missed the point of what he came to tell us. So that's what he's not saying. Okay? He's not saying in that passage that we do good deeds to earn favor before God. But what he is saying, what Jesus is teaching us in here, this passage, is that once you have put your faith in him, once you have received his righteousness, once you have been born again by the Spirit of God, become a Christian, then that faith that is now in you should produce an outward evidence in your attitudes, in your actions, towards those that are living in poverty. And what Jesus is saying here is, that evidence should be so obvious that it's a distinguishing feature of genuine Christians. That's what he's saying here, that actually the faith that you've put in Jesus changes us. It changes our attitudes and our actions to the point that he on judgment day can actually look and look at your deeds and look at what's happened and say, that's a mark of what your, your faith has produced in you. That's quite a powerful thing, isn't it? That he's saying that this change that takes place in our heart has results in an outward action, specifically for those people who are living in poverty. Tim Keller, the uh, American pastor and writer, puts it this way. He says, If a person has grasped the meaning of God's grace in his heart, he will do justice. 
If he doesn't care about the poor, it reveals that at best he doesn't understand the grace that he has experienced. And at worst, he has not really encountered the saving mercy of God. That sense that if we really encountered the grace of God, it changes us, particularly for those who are poor or living in poverty. So to me, that raises many, many questions. But one of the most challenging questions I think that raises for me is how much evidence, therefore, in my life as a Christian, as someone who has put his faith in Jesus, who knows him as my personal saviour, how much evidence, therefore, is there in my life of this care for those that are living in poverty that Jesus talks about here? Now, this isn't something I've got to manufacture, because actually what Jesus is saying is that it's there in, in all, of, all genuine Christians have this care naturally in them for those that are living in poverty. But I don't know about you, when I look around Christians, the church, even in my own life, I don't see probably the abundance of that care and that concern that I think Jesus is talking about here. So wh wh why is there that distinction? Jesus, that, that kind of discrepancy between what Jesus is saying should be present and what we all see in, in ourselves and in the people around us. Well, I, I think it would be easy to say that really that gen there is a genuine care in there that happens through, through faith, but it just gets suppressed and gets blocked by many things in our lives. So I think our selfishness, our upbringing, the media, society we live in, how we're educated, all these things actually a bit like rubbish in a river that if, you, if, you, if there's loads of rubbish in the river, stones, rocks, plastic, in the end, that will limit the flow of a river, won't it? It'll create like a dam and limit the amount of water that can flow through. And I think that happens in our hearts, particularly around this subject. So many things come in that block the flow of this care and concern for those who are in poverty that should naturally be in us as Christians. So I guess the question that then comes to me is how do we unblock our hearts? What steps can we take to unblock our hearts so that we as Christians, we as the church, can really demonstrate what Jesus is talking about here, about being people that really genuinely make a difference to those that are living in poverty? And so I'd say that there's five steps that I can think of that we can take to help us unblock our hearts, to, to kind of allow the flow of care and compassion to come through us in the way that Jesus is saying that genuine Christians really should. And like I said, this isn't us manufacturing something or trying hard. It's allowing the Spirit of God to bring it to fruit in our lives. So there's five things that I think we can practically do to help ourselves in this way. The first thing I'd say we need to do is open our ears and our eyes a bit more. So in, in that passage there, Jesus, the, 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 those that didn't clothe him, those that didn't see him hungry. They said, we didn't see you, where, where were you? They weren't aware at all of the needs around them. The first step we need to take is to put the needs of our society onto our radar. It might be that you don't really read much, listen to much, look around, see what's happening in your local area, read your local news, read statistics. Actually, maybe now you just need to open your eyes and your ears to the needs that are around you. I would say that we often live in a bit of an echo chamber. We listen to the things that reinforce our own beliefs. We, we talk to the people that have similar thoughts to ourselves. Maybe you just need to branch out a little bit and listen to different things. I would I really encourage you somewhere like Jubilee Plus. They're a social action uh, group that work for the New Frontiers churches in the UK. 
go to their website. It's full of great blogs around local issues and things like that, things that are affecting our nation. If you just want to go one place, think, right, I need to open my eyes to what's going on because I've been just ignorant to it and I'm not aware, then that's a really great place to start. Let's allow ourselves to step out of the things we usually read and listen to and start to be aware of the local issues. Like I said, even just buy your local paper and read what's going on in your town makes a massive difference. So the first thing we can do to unblock our kind of the place we get stuck in is open our eyes and ears. The second step I'd say is give your support. So there, there was practical things that these people were doing for Jesus. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was naked, you gave me clothes. But actually, there's practical steps we can help, that we can take to help those people around us. Donate resources. So it might be that you want to give, find local projects and just start financially giving them. Support some of the stuff that you guys are doing as a local church. It might be that, you know, I know you've been doing food deliveries and things like that during lockdown. It might be saying, actually, I can start contributing with food to the food bank or the food delivery service. I think, actually, I'm not just aware of the needs. I actually want to do some practical things to help, and I'm going to donate. And if you don't know how to donate, then, you know, find good causes and just encourage. It might be a five pounds a month you want to give into a local cause and say, I just want to support the good work they're doing. It's a great way to take steps. A practical step is to give your support. Donate resources in one way or another is the next step to unblocking our hearts and allowing the flow of compassion to come. The third step I'd say is to get closer. Get closer to those people that are living in poverty. So in that passage, Jesus said that, you know, there was times when, you know, he, he's saying when, I, when someone was in need, you went and visited them, you came to them. When they were in prison, you went and saw them. There's a sense where our proximity to people who are living in poverty changes our hearts. Now, that's been my experience most definitely. Um, there's three people I would say that I've have through different projects we run, I've befriended over the years. There's an older gentleman in our town who's an ex-fisherman who's in his, in his 70s. He had poor health, struggling with diabetes, had had one leg amputated. The other leg was going in that direction. He was wheelchair-bound, housebound, lived in a one-bedroom flat. And I went through our befriending um, project we ran at the time. I went and saw him for an hour a week for about two years. Now, I, I can't say that was very easy. We had some, he had some, very, some views that I found very uncomfortable that we had to talk about. Conversation wasn't that easy, and he was quite an angry and bitter guy. I'd love to tell you now, he, I gave him the gospel and he suddenly was saved. Nothing like that happened. I was able to pray with him a couple of times. But actually, it opened my eyes to what it's like for an isolated elderly person with health issues to be living in our society. I can now understand a bit more what it's like. There's a, a guy in his 20s that came onto our Alpha course a few years ago who, um, come from, who's struggling with heroin addiction, even from his teenage years, and been in and out of prison many times. And I just spent time with him. I went out for coffee with him regularly, got to know him over a few years. I went and visited him. Uh, when he broke his probation, ended up back in prison. I went and visited him in prison. When um, he'd, he'd got him, when he'd relapsed and got kicked out, been homeless again from his hostel, I went and met him and bought him food and took him out for a meal. Again, I, I can't say that his life was dramatically changed, but it changed my heart. It helped me to understand some of the issues of what it's like for someone living with an addiction that is really hard to break. And the other person that has really shaped my heart is a, is a young lad, a nine-year-old lad that I go mentor um, on a Thursday lunchtime in his primary school. He's from a, a single-parent family, 
four, three other brothers, very difficult life, a um, lot of poverty in their household. And I meet with him on a Thursday lunchtime and in his school lunchtime, and we just play games. We do colouring, we play games, he cheats. I try and correct him, but then let him cheat. And, you know, again, I can't say I'm turning his life around. But when I talk to him and hear his stories, I get a bit more of what it's like for a child to grow up in a poverty situation in our town. Getting close to people living in poverty changes our heart, and it unblocks something in our understanding. So maybe you want to volunteer. There's loads of things you can volunteer. I know there's soup kitchen. You've got befriending service. There's opportunities. Volunteer. Get close to people. It helps you to unblock your heart and to see how other people are living. The fourth thing I'd say is to start something new. If you're doing all those things, but there's something in your heart that you want to start a new project, God's put something in your heart, then we need pioneers. I, I, one, of my, one of my heroes is a, is a guy called Pastor Matthew Barnett, and he runs uh, a church over in downtown Los Angeles, and they run a project called the Dream Center. And we took a team of us from Lowestoft, went over there last year for a week to volunteer in their, in their project called the Dream Center. It was, it was incredible. Uh, um, but his whole mantra started, this whole massive project started from him just saying that God said to him, find a need and fill it. Just find a need and fill it. And one of the biggest needs in Los Angeles is homelessness. They've got about 59,000 people living on the streets of LA, which is just a staggering number. So their project has been very much based around serving the homeless population in Los Angeles. They found a need and they filled it. Maybe for you guys, even, do you know what the needs are in your town, in your street, in your communities? Find a need and fill it. As a church, maybe you want to be going to the local authorities and just saying, what are the needs? Can we help? What can we do? I found that sometimes, even as a church leader myself, I've had an idea of what I think would be good, and we just want to go with our agenda and say, we're going to start this. Actually, when you go the other way around and say, we've got loads of resources, people, and energy, how can we help? It's so much, so much better received when we say, what are the needs? How can we help to fill it? And the final thing, the final kind of thing, a step I think we can take to unblock some of this kind of compassion and the flow of love in our hearts toward those who are living in poverty is to change our lifestyle, to open up our lives. I find this incredibly challenging. And whenever you come to a subject like this, it always does, challenges me more than anybody, anybody else. And, and there's a sense where we have to realize that what Jesus is talking here about goes far deeper than what we're probably living out ourselves already. When Jesus talks in this passage, he's talking about his brothers. He's talking about when you saw my brother that was in need, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. There's an expectation Jesus has here that those people in poverty were inside the church. He had an expectation that the natural place the natural home for those in poverty in our society should be the church. That is incredibly challenging. Tim Keller, talking about that passage, puts it this way. He says, if we assume that Jesus was using the term brothers in his usual way to refer to believers, then he was teaching that genuine disciples of Christ will create new community, a new community that does not exclude the poor, the members of other races, or the powerless, and does deal with their needs sacrificially and practically. This is the kind of community that Jesus said his true disciples would establish. Believers should be opening their homes and purses to each other, drawing even the poorest and the most foreign into their homes and community, giving financial aid, medical treatment, shelter, advocacy, active love, support, and friendship. 
wow, that's Jesus's expectation that actually in society, there should be more people living in poverty inside the church than outside the church. Because church is a place, a community that draws people in. It's their natural home because they see the gospel is good news to the poor. That actually it's a place where the love, the sacrificial love and, and sharing of resources that comes from our faith in Jesus overflows and it draws people in need. Not because they're out for a free lunch, but because they're drawn by the spirit of God that is amongst us at work in practical ways. It's the church should be the leading people in every society for dealing with poverty. Not just financial, economic food, but spiritual poverty, relational poverty, aspirational poverty. The gospel really is good news to the poor. And that massively challenges me because I look at our church and I think there isn't, there's more poor out, outside of the church than inside the church in Lowestoft, I can assure you. The gospel should draw those people in. So why isn't it? It's a massive challenge to us to change our, our lifestyle, isn't it? To change our thinking. We're quite good at doing projects at arm's length. We do food bank. We do cap debt center we're starting, which are brilliant and, and they're great. But they're just steps towards a new culture and a new community. And that's what Jesus is driving at here. And that, to me, is the biggest challenge of all. So just bringing this to a conclusion, what's the lessons from lockdown that I would say in this subject? Well, I think the first lesson is that at the moment, we've got to be real. Things are not going to get better. In the short term, in our towns, in our communities, we're facing a big, big challenge over these next few months and possibly years. But what an opportunity for the church. What an opportunity for the church to step up and show the world the heart of God. For us to unblock a compassion and love for those in poverty that Jesus had, that he expects and wants to see in us and has given us through his spirit. Imagine the impact on society. Imagine the impact on Ipswich if God's people unleashed the love of God towards those living in poverty through unconditional acts of kindness and generosity. If we really became the communities that he anticipated we would become, drawing in those in poverty, showing them the love of God, bringing them out of poverty, their, their financial situation might not dramatically change but their eyes will be lifted to the glory of God and their hearts will be changed and they'll, be, they'll know that they have a destiny to live with him forever. What an incredible vision we have. And as churches, that's our calling. Just going to finish with this quote from the theologian Michael Green. He said, The heart of Christianity is relationship with Jesus himself, which shows itself in loving, sacrificial care for others, in particular the poor and the needy. Let me just finish by praying for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the Bible. We thank you for the truth, Jesus, of your teachings that just comes alive to us, even right now and in our day. Lord, we know the needs around us, Lord, and we also know how poor we are at dealing with those needs. And Lord, our hearts need changing. Lord, I thank you that you've given us all we need. We're not trying to work harder at something. We're not trying to add good works to our faith. Lord, we want our faith to produce good works in a way that the world has never seen before. Lord, we long for our churches. We long for churches across our towns to become the beacon of hope for those living in poverty that you anticipated. Lord, both practically but also spiritually. We want to do these things. We want to see lives touched and transformed, Lord. So we just ask for your help. We pray that you would help unblock our hearts, help us to change, Lord, and help us to see our communities change as a result. In your name. Amen.